0: You guys ever open up the Marvel Unlimited app and just look at, like, the, the new this week and the popular this week sections and be like, what?
1: I did a little bit when, like, oh, that, what was the, they had that Future Foundation game out and they had the tie-in comics for it. And I was like, what is this? Who are these characters? And why are they all beautifully drawn by Stanley
2: Art Germ Lau? Which one, which one are you seeing that's...
0: who's star?
2: And the forces of evil? No?
0: No, there's there's a Star. Like, there's a series called Star, and it has a woman who has, like, a cape and a star-shaped, like, I don't know, shoulder pauldrons or whatever?
2: Star, number five. The Black Order makes their move. The former generals of Thanos have come for the Reality Stone, but thanks to everything Star has been through, she's learned a lot about the power bonded to her. Ooh, Star has the Reality Stone, apparently? She looks kind of like... Uh, with the star, who is, um is it Adam Warlock who looks like that in uh, Infinity Gauntlet? Maybe there's a connection there.
0: I guess. I was actually going to say she looks more like... Like Sentry? I don't know. Uh, Apollo from DC Comics? Hmm. Kind of does look like the Sentry, too. Oh, and then there's Ravencroft. Like, What is Ravencroft?
1: I don't know. Looks spooky. Steven, are you insinuating that there's some sort of theory? Or not theory. There's some sort of conspiracy where the popular books aren't actually that popular? And they're just trying to get people to read the books that are on their database that nobody touches.
0: No, man, I'm just saying I'm out of touch.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. I I I read like three books plus whatever we read for the podcast.
0: I'm an old man. Yes, yeah, seriously. I can't. Uh... I
1: can't keep up with the kids.
2: I fell behind in my um, X Men reading, and I'm embarrassed because you know, like um, the the big events going on the. X of Swords, something of Swords. I I forget. Anyway, oh that thing. actually looks
0: really interesting.
2: Yeah. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, I I was uh,
1: I told myself at the beginning of the year I was gonna read all of uh, <laughs> all of the War of the Realms stuff. I gave up oh, after yeah. like two issues. Hey, look,
2: <laughs> this year is not going like anyone planned. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would not lose any sleep over you know one missed reading opportunity. I, uh, I, yeah. If it's not an audio book, like I read these comics that we do for the podcast and then like very little else. That's not an audio book. So yeah, I,
1: just... I don't even read audio. I don't even listen to audiobooks, which is kind of a shame because I have the, um, the Sandman cast recording that I want to listen to. And I have it. I paid credits for it. It's in my library. Mm-hmm. I just haven't listened to it.
2: Just wait until the mood is right.
1: I mean just wait until I wanna pop some headphones in and listen to it, I guess. I don't know.
2: Unless I can read it or unless I can listen
1: to it on like my Google Home stuff. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know. I'm looking this up. I've heard it's cool. Me I've heard so too. It has Neil Gaiman as the narrator and James McAvoy, I think, as the Sandman.
0: What? Have that's you not weird. heard about this? Well, I knew it existed. I didn't know that uh, it oh. had actual names in the voice cast. It
1: has, a, it has an amazing cast. Let me look it up real fast.
0: In the meanwhile, I've actually been reading. There's a Sandman series coming out uh, from DC Comics right now written by G. Willow Wilson. Ooh. And I've only read the first two issues so far. I'm a little bit behind. I think issue three just came out. It's not bad. It reminds me that the Sandman universe is not really my thing. Yeah not that there's anything wrong with it it's just not my thing
1: yeah okay so they have so they have riz ahmed as the corinthian uh they have kat dennings as death Oh my uh, gosh. My oh. favorite up-and-coming actor taron egerton as john constantine huh. uh neil neil gaiman is a uh, gaiman wait neil gaiman as the narrator my bad uh james mcavoy is morpheus michael sheen is lucifer oh he's wonderful Andy Serkis as Matthew the Raven.
0: Okay. Uh
1: let's see. William Hope, Matthew Horn, Peterson, Joseph, Reginald Hunter. I thought they had. Oh yeah, they have this huge other, just list of tons of people in this. Like it's, it's a lot. Um, I thought they had. Maybe I misread that. I thought they had one of the one of the doctors.
2: You said Andy Serkis, so I'm sold. You do Yeah, and anybody else could be on that list.
0: That's a that's a pretty good cast, honestly. Yeah. I had to look up Riz Ahmed and remind myself who he is. He's from *Rogue One*. Like, I know One, the name, right? but I don't know if I've seen him in anything really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is. I I like that we're talking. Uh, Sandman, which is kind of spooky adjacent, kind of like how we're spooky adjacent. This isn't our Halloween episode, but we're gonna prep for our Halloween episode by for our next time.
1: You know so, the the episode that comes out the weekend after Halloween. Because
2: we're, ma- we we're masters of yes. planning. <laughs> you know what we are. We're people will want a little little taste of Halloween after it's over. Because it's always sad the days after a holiday when you're like, oh, a whole nother year until, you know, this holiday, even Halloween. So maybe there are some you know people who need that spooky hit after the holidays over, and that'll be us. We will be supplying people their spookiness.
0: Yep.
1: Too spooky for me. <laughs>
0: So this is the the Spoopy Human Registration Podcast. <laughs> Burned it. I should have used that for our actual Halloween episode. Yeah, I, yeah, that, yeah
2: that, the execution it. of that was a little poopy. Not hey, good thing you know the editor and you can, you know, take that right out.
0: Oh, man. I don't know. The editor doesn't like to, to make dramatic changes <laughs> like that.
1: Really? Chuck doesn't like to do changes.
0: No, you know, Chuck is kind of difficult to work with sometimes
1: i imagine he's this difficult to live with as well <laughs> <laughs>
0: i don't know you'd have to ask chuck's wife <laughs> this is getting bizarre i'm steven and nobody else i am <sighs> only steven and with me on the line we've got john and aldo and we're here to talk about some comics how are you guys doing tonight
2: well and now i'm wondering why don't we have alter egos aldo do you need Do you need a a business alter ego for, for the podcast?
1: You know I I, I don't need to disassociate myself from this yet, but maybe soon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fine, don't worry. We don't have to play that game. Fine, whatever. <laughs> it's gonna come up with a a great goofy name, but we'll, we'll just pack it in a bag and just, just put it under the seat and save it till later.
1: I like Jose Indian as a uh, as my. <laughs> that's my alternate identity because it's the opposite of scott pilgrim jose indian or jose indio there you go
0: how is that the opposite i how
1: it's i don't know how to it's a long story i'm not gonna get into it like
2: pilgrims and indians i'll give you that like you know okay they sat on opposite sides of the thanksgiving table uh how is scott the opposite of jose i because i don't i don't listen man there's
1: logic here i can't follow myself (laughs) I just rolled with it. I believe this has been my headcanon for the last uh man, when 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 did I quit improv in, in at the Empress? Since then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh so where do we want to start tonight comics reading wise?
1: Usually I like to start at the first book. A but very good place to, to start. Second.
0: Yeah. Okay, well we didn't start with any <laughs> issues number 1.
1: And
2: I was very out of my element.
0: Yeah, I imagine that would be difficult for you.
2: Well, <laughs> I'll start with a confession. I recommended that we read Daredevil. Uh, we're reading a story, the last part of Mark Wade and Chris Samney's run on Daredevil. And uh, cards on the table, guys. This is not the book that I thought. This is a different part of their run. <laughs> oh, really? <I> was... <laughs> yeah. The, thing, the, the
1: element that you were kind of hinging on was there.
2: Uh-huh. Um, th- there's a better version of that uh, a dozen issues earlier. Like, I'd ha- I would have to look it up again, and maybe we'll read it again in the future. Uh, but I apologize that I, like, hyped up this <laughs> thing that didn't turn out to be the thing that I thought it was. Um, but we got something different that was pretty good.
1: I can take a wait after your synopsis, but, I mean, I was not disappointed at all, so.
2: Well, good, because we're reading this, uh, the autobiography of Matt Murdock or of Daredevil. This is... Uh, Daredevil from 2014 with Mark Wade writing and Chris Samney uh, penciling and other people involved of course Um, Matt has uh, At this point in time has moved to San Francisco um, is out as Daredevil Um, he his identity is known as well as his his, uh, power set he um, faked the death of Foggy Nelson and uh, brought him out there to be his ghostwriter for this autobiography. It's a not just a clever name for the arc that we read, but it's also the uh, project that Foggy's working on throughout these issues in the background as a, as a job for uh, Matt Murdock's soon-to-be father-in-law. He is engaged to a woman named Christa McDuffie, who is his law partner. Um, they've been in the practice for a while. Since issue one, at least, I went back and read some of the early issues in preparation for this. And um, we start off with her getting kidnapped by a former um, criminal that she put away. And she's really excited about having an arch nemesis. Um, Daredevil runs into the Shroud, who, when he got to San Francisco, he he, um, teamed up with. And the Shroud is a hero, but doesn't always make the best choices uh that's the best i can sum up based on his history and um he's been around since 76 he was created by uh herb shrimp uh, herb Trimpy, and uh steve englehart
0: wow i didn't realize he'd been around that long
2: yeah 76 so he had like uh was gonna he he followed the fantastic four to latveria to, and wanted to kill doom um and he and namor tried to do that and it didn't work out Um, so that fits with him starting off in in an early issue as a crime boss to try to get the attention of the owl, who is the big, the big name in San Francisco at the moment. Um, that's some of the early issues in this uh, particular run, uh, deal with that, with Daredevil trying to take out the owl. Um, the owl then turns to Shroud and, um kind of corrupts him a little bit. It's kind of, he's right there on the edge like he's doing he's trying to be a hero but then he ends up like being on the bad guy's side. And what happens in this story is that the owl has this surveillance uh, network that he can see and hear everything. Everything everything. Any any sort of uh, electronic device he's able to get into and monitor it. So all of Matt Murdock's secrets are laid out. Um shroud uh convinces uh, Matt Murdock and the owl's daughter to leave them alone Uh, the shroud has uh, the owl hooked up to a bunch of surveillance equipment on Alcatraz and as a way of telling Matt to back off just lets loose all of this information he uh, tells everyone that Foggy is still alive he shares conversations between Matt and Kristen, between Matt and his uh, clients in his law office and um, in order to get to the bottom of all this to um, spare his friends um, Matt bargains with the Kingpin who has showed up in San Francisco and says that you know Matt Murdoch will go away his death will be faked to Daredevil will stick around but he, he's gonna just get plastic surgery he's gonna go away D- Kingpin doesn't like that of course and then he um, gets into a fight um, with a villain that I thought we were reading about for the first time. Um, uh, Ikari. Who has Daredevil's powers, but he can see. So he's even more dangerous. Um, that's that's really the arc that I thought we were reading was the kind of Rise of Ikari. And uh, so we'll have to go back and read that because it's excellent too. But um, Shroud shows up and helps Daredevil, but, but kills Ikari. Which, you know, Daredevil's upset about because he doesn't... You know like killing people um, daredevil is able to go back as a say that he's killed daredevil and fight off the kingpin and save his friend's life um, and shroud uses the surveillance that the owl has set up to expose kingpin's crimes so there you go this was a cool run we got to we got some good daredevil action um, daredevil tonally is a little different because he's trying to be more positive and upbeat And he goes around without a mask for a while because his identity is known. And he's in a really goofy, bright red suit. Um, (laughs) So
0: goofy. I
2: did not like that at all. I didn't like it at all either. And I think it's like his haircut was a big, like, stumbling block. Oh, I hated the haircut. It was so short. Like, it was, was like, who are you? You're not, wait, 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 So if you don't like your, if you only like your Murdoch, your Matt Murdoch, your Daredevil kind of brooding and, you know, punishing himself. There's not as much of that here. It's still very good. I still like it a lot. I still think it's top-notch Daredevil, top-notch comics, um, excellent art and storytelling, um, really great character stuff there that, uh, didn't feel like it, it was, you know, familiar or it, it was, uh, overworked, you know, cause we get a lot of the same kind of like you know what you're getting when you're reading a daredevil comic, except I think Mark Wade um, has done a unique spin on it with you know him being in San Francisco and these other story arcs, and we really got to go back and read the Ikari stuff because uh, I <laughs> that's what I thought we were reading. But um, <laughs> what what do you guys think?
1: Um, fun fun fact fun fun Japanese language fact. Um, Ikari in the context of this of this comic book means anger or like fury and rage. Um, In another context, it also means uh, anchor, like on a ship. Um, Mm, That's vexing. Yeah, which is relevant to me because I like Evangelion and that's the name of the protagonist. And all the female characters are named after World War II battleships. So his name is Anchor. (laughs) Anyways, back to the American comic book we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did not like his suit. Uh, I did he not like his like hair. Yeah, I did not like it here or there. I don't think <laughs> I like that daredevil anywhere.
2: Seriously, like he's his costume is iconic and really cool, and I love it. Um, and then he's like, "Hey, everybody, I'm gonna do law, and I'm gonna beat some fools with my cane out in public in this in this snappy suit." He looked like a goob. He looked like he looked like, like a Batman villain. Yeah. He was like, I thought for a second there, I was like, oh, someone's masquerading as Matt Murdock in this idiotic. Oh, wait, that's him. Oh, yeah. I I think for
1: me, like what was really like, I don't know, the final straw, I guess, which it wasn't because I finished reading the book. <laughs> 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 but like really the point where I was like, it can't get dumber than this is when he actually has like a square uh, question marked shaped cane. And I was like,
2: that, oh, my God, the Riddler, you're a bootlegged Riddler. Stop it. Is. Stop
1: it. Stop <laughs> it. I was going to say
2: he was like a few passes away from becoming like, you know, those suits they wear in dumb and dumber to the charity thing for the owls. Oh yeah. Those, you know, without the tails and the top hats, but like I hated that suit.
1: I think my problem with it is it's actually like not goofy enough for it to, to be like, to get past that awkward stage where I hate it. If it was like a zoot suit, if it maybe had some stupid gimmick, or something
2: attached to it. Like pinstripes or something? Yeah. Yeah,
1: but it's just a red suit. Like a gaudy red suit.
2: Yeah. I think you hit the
0: nail on the head when you said Batman villain or like the Riddler. because yeah. yeah, it doesn't look like... You do go to Marvel Comics for the big, colorful superheroes, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was actually I was actually real happy when like Ikari showed up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, finally somebody looks like they Devil. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's pretty great oh man i don't here's the thing though like i did like the book there was there was a lot of good stuff to it i i really like chris somni's art yes uh yeah he he's got like a little bit of a david Mazzucchelli thing going a little bit of a darwin cook thing mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. Um, oh
1: who's who's the artist for um silver surfer are we red? Mobius?
0: No. Oh, Mike Allred. Yeah, yeah
1: it has a little, little bit of little that bit of inspiration. That too. Yeah. Yeah. Very clean.
0: Somni, I think, is is more serious than Mike Allred. Yes. Allred tends to do very campy, very, like, go-go dancers and...
2: Very 70s. All those aliens in, in prison cells. Very, yeah, very retro cool.
1: Yeah, it just feels he has a little bit of that inspiration. Um, I think it's mostly the colors for me i i'm a fan of like more like cell shaded more like big flat colors and like just using a lot of contrast and shadows for that and and somni does that really well in this book especially yeah. in, in especially in, like the last couple of books um where he's fighting ikari and shroud is there and they're doing a lot of stuff like in the shadows like that stuff looked fantastic i thought
0: yeah, um yeah, and that's that's the thing about Somni's art that, that always sticks with me is uh like the shadow work that he does is very good. I he's he's a really great uh Instagram follow, especially during uh Inktober times. Oh,
1: I've been following him on Twitter.
0: Same thing. Okay. I mean he, he does he does Battober. Yeah. So he'll awesome. do ink drawings of Batman characters.
1: Oh neat. There's enough of them.
0: they Oh my gosh. They're so charming and they're very, very heavy on the shadows. Uh, just, just really cool stuff. Yeah. No, I, I really like Chris Zombie. He does daredevil. He's done some captain America stuff and he like his style, I think really suits the captain America of like, you know, the Ed Brubaker type that we're going to be reading, you know, later on tonight. Uh, I think it's a good match.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to say his, uh, his art was really great. It it kept me up at night. It made me an insomniac. Although. I practiced.
0: I expect you to apologize.
1: No, I practiced, Steven. I earned this.
0: Aldo? <sighs> is it too late now to say somni?
1: <laughs> That's worse than mine.
2: I, I dislike both of you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess you're just gonna have to uh you're going to
2: have to wait through this month then, aren't you, John? <sighs> you know, it's a good thing that we don't record in the same room anymore.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but that's mainly because of the allergies. Yeah, it's and 100% the because of the allergies. <laughs> and, and, and the COVID.
1: Yeah. 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 And the fact that one of us was away for a year in a different
2: state.
0: <laughs> okay, so there were many variables involved.
2: <laughs> 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 Listen, we have excuses. Kiddy Rona. <laughs> So I, apart from the three-piece suit being stupid, um, mm-hmm. d- great art in this, great art, um, cool designs except for the suit, for <laughs> um, the uh, owl's daughter, uh, Jubila Pride. Is that right? yeah? Jubilee she looked or... a little
1: like uh, I don't I don't know I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. She looked like a like a '70s anime robot character like, <laughs> she, I don't...
0: she looks like common writer mm-hmm. yes a
1: little bit a little bit I'm, I'm thinking more like uh like mega man almost i don't know yes
2: the helmet's very mega man-esque i uh, yeah that would be one of the harder levels i would think
1: yeah um, i i liked to to jubilee yeah it, yeah i liked her and i i kind of like her like kind of her relationship with her dad with the owl
2: mm-hmm. um, it's he was a good dad she, to me yeah he was a yeah crook, exactly he's was a like, great that's dad. all that matters yeah.
1: yeah, I like that. I like that that thing, especially because she does acknowledge that his dad yeah. wasn't like a good guy, and and I like that. I like when characters have depth and dimension to them, and like they understand that not everything is correct, but you you pick your principles and you stick with them, and
2: yeah. that makes her feel like a real character and not just like a prop to the story. Exactly. Not just oh, here's another villain to fight with a cool costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Which I know we've talked a lot about the art. And and we're still talking about the art, but like, <laughs> eventually when we move on from the art, I I was I like Mark Wade, and I thought the writing in here was actually really good.
0: Yeah, yeah, very much.
1: Also, I liked uh, I liked the Kingpin in this. Very
0: simple. Also, yeah, Kingpin is very good.
2: Yeah. Oh, was Kingpin um was that shocking to you guys like going into his art gallery and it's just pictures and pictures and pictures of the Daredevil being ripped apart and killed and murdered and all of this stuff.
0: Yeah, I I took a screen grab of that page. That <sighs> was so good. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I was blown up cuz like they they I, I I've read Daredevil comics, I promise. I don't know Daredevil from from only from Netflix, but that felt familiar when they were, you know, going to his gallery. And I was like, oh, yeah, they they played around with that side of him in the, uh, the Netflix show. I wonder if it's going to be some kind of, you know, modern art piece or interesting landscape or something like that. And it's like, nope, this is a whole monument of hate. This is just his, his <laughs> you know, vengeance <laughs> fantasies all put out in oils. And, you know, Daredevil's going through thinking, oh, this is just, you know, Picasso's and Rembrandt's that this, you know, rich crook. Yeah. Has picked up along the along the way and nope nope murder lots of murder and oil paint yeah that
1: was actually like a like a pretty good uh visual joke
2: yeah yeah it was
0: superb um oh gosh so good i actually because that's the moment when daredevil is negotiating with the kingpin to uh like kill matt murdoch right yeah. he, and he's just going to be daredevil full time and so i thought what we were seeing was uh like the negotiation process for killing Daredevil or for killing Murdoch? I That's thought what so I too. Thought it was.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I it bought it. was into very that. good. Yeah, and and how he's like, you already paid for this information, and then it became worthless because, you know, Fisk <laughs> found out who he was at one point, but then he just told everyone, "I'm Daredevil. I'm you know, blind lawyer from Hell's Kitchen. Peace. I'm going to San Francisco. Bye." And. uh... So then, Fisk had information that didn't mean, didn't wasn't worth anything anymore. But then he flipped it around. He said, "Well, we we'll kill Matt Murdock, but you'll know, you'll know who I am. I won't even know my face, but you will." And you know, he took the bait. I yeah.
1: I do want to say that I think Kingpin is a very underrated supervillain. Yeah. And and it's and the thing is, like, I have a hard time saying that he's underrated. When he's when if you talk to a lot of people, like. If you ask him to make a top five list of like Marvel villains, I don't think Kingpin will ever make that list. But I think if you bring up the Kingpin, everybody has a story about him or with him that they like a lot. Cause he's such yeah. a good villain. And I feel like he doesn't get enough like respect sometimes or, or enough like of a spotlight because he's so, because he's like a street level villain, but he's like, he's like the Thanos of like the street level villains, right? Like he's a common thing. He's always the wall. They can't ever, like, really get rid of him or anything like that. Even Spider-Man has, like, some really intense Kingpin stories.
2: Yeah. Well, he's, you know, he's central to New York and most, well, not most, sorry. There are a lot of superheroes in New York. Yeah. And so he's got, you know, uh, he's smart enough to still stay in the game, even though he doesn't have superpowers. He's smart enough to manipulate, you know, all these heroes. Yeah.
0: He's the mob boss who can hang with the supervillains. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now I'm trying to think of uh, top five: <laughs> Thanos, Loki, um, Doom. Of course, Doom is number one. Red Skull, maybe Magneto.
0: I think there's a chance that Kingpin makes it in my top five. Marvel. Me too. Oh, definitely. Like,
2: he yeah. is yeah. part of
1: one of my favorite
2: Spider-Man stories. Yeah. And uh, Madame Mask, if we're talking about uh, most fun villains, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah.
1: And Vincent D'Onofrio just did an impeccable performance as, as Kingpin.
2: Holy crap! No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I a
1: uh, bit of bit of a tangent, but I got super excited when he was talking that he would love to return, uh, as the Kingpin to like the the MCU movies in the Spider Man movie, yeah. and I was yeah. like, oh please, put, yeah, cause, cause like the the goofy Spider Man that we have like.
2: Yeah, he, he he is like stone cold, and then like Spider Man's like,
1: huh? Yeah, because I th- I think he's like super intense, like super serious performance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, twelve years old! I need my mom to make me a lunch ball, lunch uh, lunch bag. <laughs> <laughs> a
0: lunch ball? <laughs> I, you know,
1: it's that's my second language, Steven. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> but, but oh goodness! But yeah, when you when you put like bright eyed, bright eyed, you know, uh, young. Tom Holland versus Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin that would be amazing. Think about
2: it yeah, he'd like oh boy, absolutely. I got to I got to really hurry and get this science experiment done. Jeez, I got hope that the girl notices me and then Vincent D'Onofrio's like I've killed your whole family, Mr. Parker. Like just you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Somebody wrote here here read this tweet in the Kingpin's voice and it's like I want you to pick up our order for lunch at Chipotle. No, not that one. The good one. (laughs) Like it was just like a normal everyday conversation, but with like the menace from the Kingpin, it's like, Oh gosh, he really (laughs) doesn't want you to screw up his lunch order.
1: I would, I would love it if they just do a scene where like he invites Peter Parker over, uh, or, or Spider-Man over for like a big evil villain dinner. And like sitting right in front of Spider-Man spot, is just like a happy meal. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: and he's just like Established He's just establishing dominance By yeah. giving him a happy meal And Peter and No and he's
2: Spider-Man he's got the sinister like six along this like Huge long table But then he's got Peter at the kids table with his happy meal By himself <laughs>
0: That'd be beautiful Yeah So let's talk about the story though Um So there's like a lot going on, and this definitely reads like the end of an arc rather than the beginning of an arc. Yeah, sorry, because it is. Yeah, and so it's like you get enough information that you can follow what's happening, mm-hmm. and it's still enjoyable because you know, at the end of the day, you know, Mark Wade's still a really good writer, and Chris Zombie draws some really great pages.
1: Yeah, I, I think for me, the stuff that got really confusing. I was able to follow it, right? But I I can't say understood everything. It was really the stuff with the owl and uh Shroud. That stuff really got yeah. a little confusing. Like I I wasn't sure who if they were working together, if one of them was a hostage. I just kind of at some point I think I just come to stop trying to understand it. And I was just following the other plots.
2: So yeah. the the only the best thing I could tell you, uh, Shroud is trying to use the surveillance to track down uh, Julia Carpenter, like a former girlfriend of his, who also used to be Spider Woman, and, and Madame Web. Yeah, so that's and that's the most that I could like. Why he was still sticking around with the Owl at the end of this run, um, because it did kind of go back and forth, like who's manipulating who, who is on whose side, and so, yeah,
1: and then and then like I think, I think the stuff with uh, I don't remember her name, Owl Junior. I'm just gonna call her
2: Jubilee Prize. <laughs>
1: Okay, anyways, Owl Jr. Uh <laughs> You know, she shows she shows up to the island with Daredevil and you know he kinda has to take her away from it to because he doesn't like going in without a plan and and whatever. And then she's she's there she's back there, and at least from my interpretation, or or maybe I was reading too fast or something, but it made it sound like she did that on purpose. Like she, she purposely lured Daredevil there, but maybe not.
2: No, I gotta go back because yeah, she does pop back up again but
1: yeah because she's back there with the owl and the shroud and she's not fighting them yeah and she's just kind of letting him hang out there in peace and she she kind of says something and I, and I kind of interpreted that as like oh she she was doing that stuff to get their devil's attention to get him there and blah 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 and I, I don't know
0: yeah it was it was a little bit confusing I don't think she has enough uh character development yet to really know much about her i i think this is her first appearance i didn't look her up i might be wrong on that actually
2: i'll look her up real quick i was trying to find you know what what she's doing back there but owl's daughter jubila pride
1: that sounds like a Willy wonka
2: candy <laughs> <laughs> jubila pride <laughs> jubila pride try the... scrum <laughs> jubila pride <laughs> chocolate and candy yeah, she was uh, first appearance, Daredevil Volume Four, Number Fourteen, May twenty fifteen, created by Mark Wade and Chris Somney. Huh. Alright, alright. Uh, genetically modified to make her capable capable of levitation and flying, and trained in combat. Um, moved like a spinning clutch of razor razor blades.
1: Okay, so when they say she was genetically modified, they didn't really explain like how. Well, there was a panel with her uh, in science stuff. Right, right. But <laughs> it, okay. So what I mean though is, uh, I I took that to mean that they hollowed out her bones to make her like a bird. <laughs> what?
2: <laughs>
1: I, yeah. It's,
2: listen, I might have misinterpreted a lot in this. I world. mean, I mean maybe, but that's kind of horrifying. You think she'd be more evil if that was if she'd lived through that kind of a thing? That's like a Weapon X type <laughs> level yeah, procedure. I, <laughs>
1: yeah also like why would you train somebody like hand-to-hand combat but then also give them hollow bones
2: i was very confused it's like a daddy-daughter bonding thing you're like oh daddy's gotta go fly oh i wish i could go with you anything you want princess just lay down on this table and we're gonna hollow out your bones real quick (laughs) oh
0: gosh for some reason i'm reminded of one of the best burgers i ever had (laughs) it had bone marrow butter it was really tasty
2: I was like, where is it going Probably not with from
0: Jubal Pride. Because that would be gross. Uh, Anything else that we need to say about Daredevil? Like, this is a good story. It's, it's, it doesn't have the emotional impact you want it to have if you haven't read the rest of it, right? Yeah.
1: I think my problem, or not problem, I think uh, I think the problem with the conversation is that, like, I feel like we haven't said enough, but also I think we've talked about it quite a bit. Like, it's a good book. And I th- and I think we've we've mm-hmm. sang its praises. I think the writing is solid, the art is solid. I just uh I don't know that I have much more to say other than it's a real solid book. The only downsides I really feel from it are oh, Daredevil's stupid red suit and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like like you like you mentioned the lack of emotional impact because we haven't read like the the previous thirty chapters leading up to this.
0: Right. It's interesting. I think a lot of what we tend to rank high on our list are books that you can give to a first-time comic reader you wouldn't start someone on this book
2: yeah john no well that is yes 100 percent on me uh to be fair i only skimmed quickly and saw ikari and i was like this is the one because uh, it's been several years since i read it so this is what i'll say this is a good one to tell people hey if you want to read some great Daredevil, read Mark Wade, But make sure you start at the beginning. Don't be a dumb <laughs> I do. I,
1: I do want to say one thing, though. Uh, I found Ikari to be kind of an interesting character. And probably the weeb in me was just a little bit more interested. I, I was just trying, because I'd never heard of him. i never heard of the character. And I thought it was interesting to have a character that's pretty much Daredevil, but he can see. Yeah. And I found out that I, th- I think his next appearance after this... Is in is as a it's like a background joke in a Captain America book where he fights Kraven the Hunter and you just see Icardi's decapitated masked head on Kraven's wall. Oh
0: gosh.
2: Oh,
1: <laughs> so you know he doesn't even get a proper set off. He just shows up as a trophy.
2: Shroud kills him here, so that implies that Shroud is like still dealing with bad guys and I wonder what right. Shroud got for yeah. that deal. Well he they said he Ikari died,
1: but he also got away. Somebody either cleaned or took away the body or he dragged himself off in a state of nakedness and half death.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Whatever happened to Ikari, very, very curious. I mean he he got impaled and then he got thrown off the roof and then his head was on Craven the Hunter's wall. He dead. It's fine.
1: <laughs> dead. I guess he couldn't anchor a good spot. In the
2: Marvel Comics canon, Stephen, for the love of all that is holy, transition us to Winter Soldier.
0: <laughs> all right, so let's talk about Winter Soldier. Hey, hey. <laughs> the anchor bit took me a minute to figure You're... out. Oh gosh. Anyway, did it so,
2: did it slow you down? Were you stuck in you place? You could say
0: it's been weighing on me.
2: <laughs> uh, Although, look what you've done yes. to us.
0: <laughs>
2: I like this timeline. Oh gosh. Uh,
0: Winter Soldier is a story by Ed Brubaker with art, mostly, we, we actually do get a couple of different artists on here, but um, most of the art is by uh, Steve Epting, and he's got this very sort of, like, noir, uh, like, heavy shadows... Sort of he's oh gosh I don't really know how to describe it. he does a lot of like very realistic sort of drawings which I normally don't care for in superhero comics uh, I I I love it when Epting does Captain America though he he's just uh-huh. so good he's just so good Ugh. Epting's Captain America so this is right before the the Civil War story arc. So we've got Captain America, who is going around doing super spy stuff with uh, Nick Fury. Sharon Carter, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., is is along for the ride. This story picks up, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in the Captain America universe right now. There's a criminal businessman from nondescript Eastern European country named Alexander Lukin. Uh, Lucan has uh, obtained a cosmic cube, so he's got the ability to basically rewrite reality. Uh, Cosmic cubes pop up in Captain America stories all the ding-dong time. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, with this cube, Lucan somehow, and I don't quite remember how this happened, Lucan somehow wound up with the consciousness of the Red Skull like battling for dominance inside his own head. And so it's, it's Lucan and the Red Skull who are using the Cosmic Cube. Lucan's really just trying to use it to to grow his business empire. But he's also got in his employ a mysterious assassin who Captain America saw him briefly in an event that occurred right before this story. It's revealed that this secret soldier is, in fact, Bucky, who was Captain America's sidekick from World War II, who died very famously like got blown up trying to disarm a bomb that baron zemo i think launched Mm -hmm. uh he's been presumed dead he was one of the like the joke in the early 2000s was there were three characters that you uh would never see brought back to life
2: uncle ben who was the third
0: uncle ben jason todd and bucky
2: huh
1: man i can't I sure can't wait for the gritty comic book where Uncle Ben comes back in a, as an assassin.
0: Oh, they already did it. It was actually an alternate universe Uncle Ben. No, no,
1: it has to be mainline.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: it has to be mainline Uncle he Ben. He comes okay. back as the new Ghost Rider. <laughs> he's got like a really old beater car that he rarely takes outside of Queens. He's he's you know using his penance to stare on people who want to gentrify their neighborhood. <laughs>
0: I I like this. This sounds like a great guy.
2: You see? He's a hero.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, anyway, the thrust of this story is really uh, Steve Rogers trying to determine whether this secret assassin really is Bucky and then trying to shake him up and get him to remember who he is. Um, It is honestly, from a plot perspective, there's not a whole lot that happens.
1: No, I was surprised.
0: Thing. Yeah. it like, It's all about sort of the, the Steve Rogers internal journey and the the table setting for how can you explain Bucky coming back to life in this very convoluted way. And it ends in a really interesting way. Lucan uh, is using the Cosmic Cube to try to get all of this power, and it... The Cosmic Cube tends to drive people mad. He winds up picking up a table and attacking one of his good friends and putting him basically in a coma. And he feels so bad about this that Lucan decides to send the Cosmic Cube away. So he gives it to the Winter Soldier to transport just somewhere else. Winter Soldier takes it away, um, but Captain America discovers that he's taking it away, intercepts him, teams up with the Falcon... Uh, Sharon Carter shows up and they take down all the thugs that are that are protecting the Winter Soldier. It comes down to basically just a fight between Cap and the soldier. Uh, Captain America grabs the Cosmic Cube, tells Bucky to remember who he is. Bucky remembers, takes the cube back and uses it to kind of not really undo everything, but kind of undo everything. Right. Yes. Yeah. So Bucky disappears. The cube is gone and Captain America is kind of left there wondering what happened to his old pal. And that's it. That's that's where the story ends. Yeah,
1: there's a whole there's a whole issue that's just exposition, which is
2: just the mission dossiers. Yeah, exactly. Soldier. But but even still it didn't feel like it was a big exposition dump. It was the you know, the point of the story I think is we're going through this emotional journey with steve and they did a good job with that and also steven is it brew baker or brew brubaker? because brew bakers i is... have said
0: it both ways and okay. i refuse to commit
1: i like to say brubaker.
2: <laughs>
0: brubaker. I like bro baker
1: isn't that just a dude who like lifts in the morning and makes cakes at night you
2: gotta, you gotta carb up on these pretzels bro <laughs> man yeah Chet the bro baker is the like you know <laughs> the broyest dude there is what a real what a real tool bag him and his him and his brioche <laughs> his broche he just calls it broche I have no
1: idea what's going on
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway, not much of an exposition dump except for the issue that is literally just an exposition dump
2: but it not it it's cool I don't know I didn't yeah. feel like There's... it was. it
1: it kind of feels like you hop into like the last third
2: of a James Bond movie. Yeah. That's fair.
1: Because like, there's a lot of setup that, no, it feels like you've watched the middle part of a James Bond movie.
2: Yeah. The winter soldier doesn't end up in a raft with a woman in a bikini. So it's definitely the middle. Yeah. Not the final third. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So, you know, he definitely, he definitely hasn't made a really outdated sex pun about him and Sharon. Um, so, you know, definitely in the middle.
2: Yes. Let's go back. <laughs> but, money penny.
1: but yeah, but like, like there's a lot of setup that's been happening and we're given bits of it, right? Sharon's, uh, is it Sharon Stone? No, Carter. Sharon Carter. Sharon Carter. <laughs> Sharon I'm sorry. Stone. I just,
2: no, Sharon no.
1: Stone, the actress, you know, she's, she's in this yeah. book. <laughs> it's a shame they didn't get her to play herself for the movie. <laughs>
0: But but yeah, so
1: like Cameos there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of setup that happens for something for for this book, right? Uh, we have like the death of like you know Stephen mentioned that this started with an event or this was teased at an event earlier than that. What we started reading, there's a whole stuff with Sharon Carter's boyfriend. There's the stuff with like Nick Fury, and then we're, so we hop into this book. We kind of get a little bit of closure knowing that it is Bucky. And that he's restored Bucky's memories and Bucky ends up in some in the old training grounds where he met Captain America. But apart from that, there's not a whole lot more like resolution. It, it clearly does feel like the middle part of, of, a, of a bigger story because there's still stuff that's happening. Like the story didn't wrap up.
2: Right. I think it was more that we're, we've brought back Bucky and that was the baby and we delivered it. And it's up to someone else to, to raise it and, you know. Yeah, help it grow up. But it was a big job, and because you think like this is you know this weird sidekick from the '40s, but uh, nailed it. And now you know Winter Soldier is like gonna have its own his own TV show. And is a great part of the MCU. And and his own comics. I mean, obviously this is uh, sorry a comics podcast. There are some cool Winter Soldier comics. Have we read any of those?
0: Ah, we have not read any
2: of the Winter Soldier
0: comics. I don't believe.
2: I, okay. I will say though that I
1: how do uh how do, how do I say this? I was surprised at how much the Winter Soldier movie actually did take from this book. Yeah. And I'm kind of surprised yeah. because I've seen a lot of we've read a lot of books where you can tell the 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 movies were inspired by the books, but not necessarily like directly adapted them. Yeah. And this feels like it was really an adaptation of it, but they had to throw in a more interesting <laughs> actual story that that would kind of meld (laughs)
2: with this because which yeah like hydra like that was a really cool twist yeah as far as like yeah all the cinematic universe was really cool
0: yeah um the the oh gosh the winter soldier movie takes after the comic so much that uh brubaker's actually in it oh is he yeah he he's one of the scientists that we see uh, kind of doing the, the winter soldier conditioning uh yeah, deprogramming in, like him, one man. scene. He he's he's got a cameo. That's is all cool. It is cool. Like
2: Len Wein and Chris Claremont in Days of Future Past. I didn't realize they, they were in that. They're on the panel of generals and politicians that are talking to Bolivar Trask at the beginning of the movie like here you wanna do build sentinels, what? And yeah. It's yeah. Huh. Just a little yeah. little tidbit
0: neat. But um Yeah, I think part of the reason that this works, even though, like, we've commented, there's not a whole lot of actual, like, plot resolution. This begins, like, directly after another event and ends without fully resolving the story. Like, part of the reason that I think it works is, first of all, it gives you enough information and gives you enough of the emotional beats of the story That Both the story that preceded it and the story that um, it's currently telling, that we don't feel like we're missing too much. It's like coming into the middle of a television show, which sometimes you do, and sometimes there's enough there that it, it keeps you engaged. So I think that's part of it. And the other part of it is the fact that this is basically the origin of a new Marvel Comics character. Potentially one of the most successful new Marvel Comics characters, at least of the 2000s era, right? I, yeah.
2: I have to be. Like, I, off the top of my head, I don't know anyone else that comes close. Really. I...
1: Bucky is such a... Or you or Winter Soldier is such a big part of the Marvel Universe to me that when we were picking this book and we saw that it was... uh what What was it? Like, 2000...
2: I think it's 2008. No. 2008. 2008. 2004. 2004.
1: Oh. Yeah. I was actually surprised that he's from this millennium because it feels like he's been part of the Captain America mythos for longer.
0: Well, technically, Bucky comes from like the 40s era. Right, 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 right. right. I but I mean, the sure Winter
2: Soldier, yeah. not, Winter not Soldier. This, yeah, no. yeah. yeah, this 2005.
0: He feels like, we, we've said it already, he feels like a bond you know like a callback to the the cold war era spy stories yeah. yeah and he definitely is one of those but he's an update on it where it's slightly less toxic um yeah. and he's interesting i like don't get me wrong i love the falcon uh having read a whole bunch of captain america falcon stories not just the Brubicker stuff but also uh some of the kirby stuff i believe some of the I don't remember if Grunwald used the Falcon very much. But anyway, I've read a fair bit. I like the guy. Uh, I very much prefer, like, Bucky as the Captain America after Steve passes.
2: I didn't read that. I don't know. I, I, th- I like both. Like, I, I think that there's a valid, you know, like, Falcon's good. Um, like, like, I'm happy to see that, you know, him wearing, you know, the uniform... But also Winter Soldier, like it's kind of, he gets the life he could have had had he not been, you know, brainwashed and manipulated and everything. So, I'm I'm gonna sit on the fence on this one and just like
0: it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's like there's nothing wrong with uh, Falcon Cap.
2: No. It's good that he can actually fly because Caps had those wings on his helmet for h- how long and he didn't. He never <laughs>
1: Oh, also though, man, I, mm, I forgot what the Falcon costume looked like. That's
2: not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> could be worse. Could be a three-piece red suit with a black shirt and red gloves.
1: Oh, yeah, and shaved hair. Oh, also, could I say, I'm not a fan of Captain America's look in this. He looks like a football jock. And I get that he's Captain America, but I am so used to Chris Evans as a Captain America at this point that him having that super short hair and like the, he looks more like Brock Lesnar than he did Captain America.
2: <laughs> him, him, like looking like of course he's he's a little older than we've seen him on screen, but having him be a little older is a little upsetting, um, and you have to like he needs to be for Civil War to make sense. Um, go to page five of issue nine yes page five of issue nine a- and someone please explain to me what's going on with his forehead on the bottom of the page i have no earthly idea it's like there's another mouth in there trying to escape or like a butt like the art like <laughs> we're like, like a butt yeah like the tone of it works but some of like the the more detailed work i think you know, isn't that great but it, it, it's 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 Winter Soldier. Like, fine. Like the art can have little like things that bu- bugged me. You know, like the I don't know if it's the inking or like what it came down to, where like the I don't know. I, I think that going for realism, like they could, there could have been another pass where they like took what was good about the realism and kind of stepped back a little bit and um, you know didn't didn't go for like every single accurate wrinkle at every single little you know brow twitch or whatever. Like they could have. You know, I would have liked it more if it was, you know, less like going for, you know, near photorealism on some of these. But tonally, it works, you know, how it's laid out and everything um, is just fine. You know, great action panels in here and a billion times better than I could do it. So can't really complain. Um, I mean, I can. I will. (laughs) (laughs) No, I
1: mean, yeah, that's, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, like you've been saying, it's fantastic work with some exceptions.
0: <sighs> yeah. And I think that's the danger of trying to do things like photorealistically, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You you risk f- slipping into the uncanny valley.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it, it still works for me. Um, Like I say, I don't love photorealism in comics. Well, and I think photorealism... <sighs> I think we're using the wrong term because it's not really photorealistic, right? But it it definitely is trying for a greater verisimilitude than uh, Mike Allred, for example. Um, But yeah, like when Epting does it, it works for me. Like really, really well. I I love Epting's artwork. Yeah, it, I think honestly, it would bother
2: they're... me. It would bother me outside of this story more. But for the story, I'm like, okay, I get, I get this. You know, we're going for more a grittier, more realistic tone, so it fits that the characters match that.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I I, I typically don't have a problem with with uh, I guess a more realistic art style. I appreciate it. I wasn't a fan of of this particular art style, but. Like you guys have said, it's it does fit the it does fit the tone, and I can appreciate that.
2: Mostly, I appreciate this book is a really good jumping-off point for the film because that's still one of my favorite of all the Marvel films is Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah I because they were able to like after Avengers, where Cap is you know kind of the you know low man on the totem pole when you're you know standing next to the Hulk and Thor. But in this, you really see how, like, from the get-go, like, on your left, when he's lapping the Falcon, uh, well, Sam at that point, you know, right in the beginning of the movie, you see, like, oh, he really is extraordinary. Then he takes out a whole ship of pirates, you know, by himself. That was really cool. Um, we get, you know, the, the, they, they set it up with the first film and this one so that we, we get that moment again, you know, who the hell is Bucky, um, which is like a whoa in the comics as well. Um, so that's, that's where I connect to this book is like, man, I'm glad they, they, they like, you know, they nailed a cool story here, um, that lent itself to adaptation really well.
0: Agreed. This is, it's so good. It makes me want to reread the whole Brubaker everything. It's all so good.
2: We should have picked worse books so we'd have more discussion, but we had two good books tonight. So it's like, (laughs) yep, they're good. That that's about it.
1: I I wish I could say I love this book as much as you guys love it. I I ended up not loving it as much. It felt a little felt a little short for me, but it it is interesting enough that it actually does entice me to read the actual the the, the Winter Soldier comic that came out after this. Mm-hmm. The problem being, I read two books of War of the Realms and I stopped, so I don't think I will. But. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's hard to find that time to read comics when adulting. Right? I right. I
1: just well, it's yeah. just a thing of access for me because I have like my computer, which is you know big screens, but they're it's it's a desktop, or my phone, and I, I don't have a happy medium. So if I Aldo, could get a happy um, medium,
2: ask Santa for ask Santa for a tablet.
1: I guess I'll have to ask myself for a tablet.
2: <laughs> Hooray! Yay. Aldo, Aldo you've Claus. been Santa
1: this whole time dun 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 i want to get the ipad air (laughs) anyways should should we rank these books
0: yeah i think we should i think that's a good idea so let's let's pull up the the listing here so currently on our list we have 116 different comics just to give you a bit of an idea of where things are. Uh, Number 26 on our list is the Beta Ray Bill story arc from uh, Walt Simonson's run on Thor. Meanwhile, number 99 is Extremis, Iron Man, because it turns out we think Iron Man kind of sucks. Probably because (laughs) Iron Man kind of sucks.
1: This is my favorite contribution to the podcast I've ever done. (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many times you can say, No Normal is the best, Ms. Marvel forever.
0: <laughs> it's, but it's, it is real good. Let, let's start with the uh, autobiography of Daredevil. What was that story called?
2: That's that, the autobiography, autobiography of... of
0: Matt Murdock. Okay. Yeah. So this is a good book. I don't think it goes up near the top of the list, um, kind of for the reasons we talked about. Like, we do tend to value new reader friendly material. And this is good, but this isn't where you want to start with Daredevil. This is at the very least, you know, you read the rest of The Way to Run first, right? Yep. Which, to me, puts it around forever at number 36, because I think that's pretty similar, like where I don't think that you want forever to be your first Fantastic Four story, but it is pretty good once you have a bit of an understanding of the characters.
2: And that's that's exactly what I was going to say. I was like looking around in that area um where you have you know never ending struggle, boys are back where it's you know new heroes for hire um the uh Power Man and iron fist um Sanford green book that's a good example of what comics should be um by a talented writer and artist team, so yeah yeah okay, where are you what, with so, Ronaldo?
1: uh I'm in agreement, most of us I don't really have a, that strong of an opinion. <laughs>
2: um
0: i do think i like this a little bit better than forever but i'm yeah. actually i think i might like it better than Afra. I,
1: I i think i don't know i i, I th- okay i do have an opinion i lied Uh um, <laughs> <There we go. laughs> i think if i was gonna have to say anything i would have to put forever above this because it, i think forever has like this it has a legacy feel right It doesn't, yeah, it certainly doesn't feel like it's the end of a story. It's the beginning of a new chapter for like this old, you know, thing. It feels more like a celebration. Whereas the autobiography of Matt Murdock just kind of does feel like the closing chapter of a book, but it doesn't really feel like it's a big send off. It doesn't feel like it's a big celebration of anything. It just kind of feels like the end of a book, which isn't a bad thing. But to compare those two, yeah, and I think I would still keep Afra above either of those because Afra still feels like a decent jumping on point as opposed to Forever and Matt Murdock. That's, I think fair. that's fair.
2: I think that's fair.
0: I, I buy yeah. that. Um, But if we put it beneath Forever, I kind of want to put it beneath Black Panther and the Clan.
1: You know, that's fair. I mean, do you want to go another nope. one and put it below Truth, Red, White, and Black? <laughs> nope.
2: Nope. <laughs> nope.
0: Okay.
1: So, like, what, 38? is what we're thinking then
0: i think so um and that's more uh, like I'm, I'm gonna say that's more to capitulate to john than anything else because i think truth red white and black is better but um yeah if we put it between those two books i'd be okay with that
1: it's an oreo sandwich <laughs> oh,
0: gosh, <I'll> <laughs> <laughs> oreo <you laughs> monster
2: uh.
1: i'm sorry
0: I'm not. I'm sorry. You hey, are
2: sorry <laughs> Winter Soldier. Where's that gonna go, fellas?
0: So I want to put it higher. I think yeah. we might have. Uh, I think Aldo might not agree. I don't know. I won't. Um, yeah, because to me, this is. I was about to say this is top twenty material. Um,
2: then you looked at what was right around there, and
0: so I'm gonna tell you where I would put it, and I think we're gonna go down from here. But I would put it between uh The Coming of Galactus and Messiah Complex. I like it better than Messiah Complex. I think The Coming of Galactus has better like historical value and should go higher. That's where I would put it. So that would be uh number 18 for me.
2: Um so you're wrong about Messiah Complex and forgetting about The Man Without Fear, which comes right after Messiah Complex. I think is this is better
0: than The Man Without Fear.
2: <gasps> what? I do. Well, I I vote uh, 21 right after Dark Phoenix, right above Last Days of Magic. No, I just think that, yeah, this is a big deal bringing Bucky back. It's, uh, you know, solidly done. I, it, based on, you know, bringing back a classic character, it should be closer to the top. Um, but as like a big event and like a kind of milestone in Marvel uh, Comics history, I don't think it's quite as good as some of the ones we have right around 20. So I put it at 21. But Aldo's going to say what? Yeah, I want to
1: split the difference and I actually want to put it above Dark Phoenix. Mostly because I could still tell you what's going on
2: in Winter Soldier. (laughs) Okay. The Phoenix is a firebird from space. (laughs) And then they go to the moon. And the firebird dies because an alien gun shoots it. And Cyclops cries.
1: Oh man, Cyclops' price. I mean, why? Why isn't this higher? <laughs> <laughs> I just so I right, just feel fair. that like by comparison, Dark Phoenix has like a lot of baggage to it. There's a lot of stuff. Go- yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an X Men book, right? Every X Men book has a lot of baggage to it. A I lot. Just, I just feel like if you're gonna, I I feel I would feel more comfortable throwing somebody into Winter Soldier's baggage than I would into the Dark Phoenix
0: baggage. All right. Yeah, I think Dark Phoenix is definitely meant to be a culmination. Like, it's kind of got the Daredevil problem, where it's the end of a lot of things. Whereas, uh, it, like we discussed, Winter Soldier is more the beginning. And it shouldn't work. I'm sorry, we didn't say this, but the Winter Soldier shouldn't work. Because it's a dumb idea.
2: <laughs> Why? Why? No, a recurring assassin. They wake him up, he goes and kills, they put him back on ice. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think it, I thought it Here's was... The thing.
0: It's the edgy reboot of Bucky Barnes' happy-go-lucky teen sidekick. He couldn't just be a happy-go-lucky teen sidekick. No, he had to be a secret covert assassin who was good at killing people.
2: Yeah, you're laying out what I like about it.
0: Yeah. And that was before That was before he got the robot arm. Like, that was <laughs> while he was happy-go-lucky teen sidekick. He was a super murderer. Um, so it, it is the very edgy reboot of the happy-go-lucky you know, fifties era sidekick. It shouldn't work. And yet it kind of does. Yeah.
1: I I will say though, I, I kind of appreciate that the, the, the movies, I know, I know everybody likes the crap on the movies because like, Oh man, you can't have a single moment of like pathos. Cause you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fill in all the cracks with jokes, million jokes a minute. But I think for Bucky, it kind of works. That he's like slowly becoming more of a jokey conversational character in the comics. And I think that's something that maybe they do a little better in the movies than they do in the book. I don't know. Maybe. They're making Bucky more personable. I, I guess we'll find out in The Winter Soldier and Falcon. Or The Falcon and Winter Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I was also going to say, I, we get as much of Bucky in this story as we got of Bucky in Winter Soldier. And I don't think the personality of Bucky came through in Winter Soldier uh it comes through more in you know the subsequent film
1: yeah also yeah. okay also he doesn't do a sick knife move like he does in the movie
2: yeah they mentioned that he's really good with kn- his knives in one of the dossiers but yeah we don't really get a chance to yeah, see he that he just breaks but just breaks it yeah, Sebastian kind of Stan like he would practice you know between takes with his knives like that was that was really cool I thought
1: I would be real concerned as a (laughs) co-star just watching Sebastian Stan practice with a knife. And you're like, man, are we going to be okay after this?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Nobody piss off Stan. He's he's not allowed back in his trailer. He cut it in half.
1: (laughs) What happened to your costume, Sebastian? I was practicing with my
2: knife. (laughs) I think Bucky should wear midriffs, don't you? I'm holding a knife. (laughs) Short shorts and midriffs.
0: Bucky crop top barns. He's the
1: summer soldier now.
2: Sun's out, gun's out. He's just spraying Windex on his metal arm to make sure it's extra shiny. Oh,
1: gosh. Uh, all
0: right, so above the Dark
1: Phoenix?
2: <laughs> yeah, fine, above you Dark Phoenix. You know what? Phoenix. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm in a good mood now. I okay. get it. I have to remind myself how soap opera e, Dark Phoenix is, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay.
1: I want to love X-Men, because uh, I like X-Men. <sighs> X-Men is just so, so thick. It's like it's like the difference between like drinking like a soda and drinking like a milkshake. Like they're both good, but like I, it's easier to drink a soda than it is to drink a milkshake.
0: I would rather have a milkshake, literally any day.
2: Yep. X Men my dude. Just you know, no, no, get no. On I said that. milkshake? Okay. What about a root beer um, I was trying to. I was try- hey. <laughs> Ooh, the best of both worlds. <laughs> there you go.
0: Oh, that was well done. Aldo. you're a yeah. peacemaker. <sighs> yeah
1: my mental name so- although peacemaker gomez <laughs> oh no i said my last name on the podcast now everybody will know this-
2: <laughs> steven's intro steven steven's said he said our names before this is not- oh, yeah he has that's this the is joke. not a mystery <laughs> and we haven't come up with our new cool names oh yeah yeah eventually one one day
1: i'll come up naturally one day one one day one more day
0: <laughs> one day oh <laughs> Uh. so for our next episode we're gonna we're gonna celebrate spoopy times even though I think we will be past uh Halloween when the next episode goes up um we're gonna read continue our annual tradition of reading Marvel Zombies we're on the third Marvel Zombies series this time and John is very excited he can scarcely contain it uh
1: I love that none of us enjoy the, enjoy reading these, but we do it.
2: We're we're masochists, <laughs> or Stephen's a sadist. I forget how that works, but it's bad. Because <laughs> I can't I can't imagine how like it's gonna be worse, and I don't know how they can go worse than before. But it's gonna be worse, and I'm ugh ugh.
0: I've actually heard they get better. I haven't read them. I've never read past the second one. so uh, we'll,
2: we'll see. Actually,
0: both of these stories are new for me. Uh, yeah. The second one, following up on Marvel Zombies 3, we're going to read the 2017 miniseries. This looks like it was part of the Legacy event where they were doing callbacks to like old versions of Marvel characters. Uh, we're going to read Spirits of Vengeance. All I know is that it features Ghost Rider prominently on all of the covers and this is like 90s era ghost writer it looks re- like so pretty exciting
2: the this came out in 2017 or is it that it's a reprint in 2017 of stories from back in that? because the art looked like current in the first issue i flipped through
0: i don't think it's a reprint because that's not the way that uh the legacy event worked i don't think but i might be wrong. We'll have to see. Regardless, I'm actually really excited to read it. Yeah. Um I I, I like the horror side of Marvel Comics, even though it is regularly bad.
2: Mm. Mm. That'll be an interesting discussion.
0: Indeed. Looking forward to it. Yeah. And all of the the spookiness that comes with that time of year.
2: Yes. ba da ba ba da ba done.